Turn please to 2 Peter, the third chapter, and 2 Timothy 2. A few weeks ago, we began a series that we're calling The Way Out. The Way Out. And it has to do with repentance. Repentance is the way out. And in 2 Peter 3 and 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, it said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering to usward. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? He's, you know, it's one of the things that I'm so impressed with him about, his patience. Man, it's amazing. Your patience is shot, gone, and his is barely begun. <laughs> and sometimes you can not be so happy about that when he keeps putting up with stuff out of other people <laughs> that you're fed up with. <laughs> and you're thinking, God, how much longer are you going to put up with that? But you better be glad he's that way because he's not only that way with them, <laughs> he's that way with you and me too. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for being so long-suffering. He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Now, take this statement for what it says. How many is it God's will for them to perish? How many? Not any. So don't believe any kind of a form of a doctrine that it's God's will for some to perish some way or another. It's not his will that any should perish. But here's how you avoid perishing. But that all should come to repentance. How many is it God's will to be saved and not perish? All. All. And how do you keep from perishing? You repent. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance is the way to not perish, not be destroyed, not be consumed, not perish. Go to 2 Timothy 2, please. 2 Timothy 2. As we're talking about repentance, repenting, a lot of people, when they hear that word, they just, you know, they think, oh, okay, you know, if we have to. But uh, it's not viewed as a positive thing. Right. You know, if we said, okay, we're going to have a seminar on repentance. Everybody come. <laughs> Some folks might stay away by the droves. And yet, if you knew the truth, you'd get there early. But let me put it like this. How many like not perishing? Not be, are there people perishing yes. all around us? There are people that are perishing spiritually. There are people that are perishing financially and materially. There are people that are perishing physically, relationships and families that are perishing. Aren't they? Is there a way out? Is there a way out of this perishing? What is it? Help me out. It's repentance. That's a good thing. Not perishing is a good thing. 
2 Timothy 2 and 24. He said the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle unto all men apt to teach and patient. Every time you catch yourself getting upset and getting hard. Hush. And back off. Because you're missing it. And you're starting to yield to a wrong spirit. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. The scripture said. We should be gentle. Well it's just not right. And they just don't see it. And I've told them once. I've told them 500 times. And Tell me what. I just told you what to do when you get to feeling like that. What do you do? Hush. That's more polite than shut up. <laughs> Hush. And do what? Back off. Back off. You are not the Holy Ghost. And you can't make people do things. God doesn't. You can't. I was talking, Phyllis and I were talking about this the other day. You know, we have the church in Branson. We have the church here. Of course, there's a whole lot of things going on that you don't hear about. We have to make a lot of decisions about. And uh, I reminded her and myself this week. I said, you know, we are not the good cowboy. We're not the good uh, herd driver. We are under shepherds. Under shepherds lead. And it's up to the sheep whether they follow or not. What if they won't follow? Well, then they won't. Now, it's dangerous not to. Because what happens to little independent sheep that get way separated from the flock? There's predators out there. And if you're a smart little sheep, (laughs) you will stay close. Right? And you'll be fed and led and kept and protected. But the principle is, whether it's the great shepherd or an under shepherd or a brother or sister, I can't make you do anything. I'm not supposed to try. I'm supposed to lead. And it's up to you whether you follow or not. Same thing with the great shepherd himself. He won't make you do anything. I'm following. What about you? Uh, The psalmist said, my soul follows hard after you. How many want to be, if the Lord stops suddenly, you're going to run right into his back. Your nose is going to be plowed. You go, oh, I didn't know he was going to stop, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Keep reading. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Keep reading. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Are there people that are in bondage? They are in captivity. How can they get out? Through repentance, they could recover themselves. That's not anybody praying for them or anybody setting them free or helping them to get free. That's them getting out by themselves. Of course, with God's help. But how would you do it? Repentance, acknowledging of the truth. Let me read this to you from another translation. The Living Bible, verse 24. It says, God's people must not be quarrelsome. Reckon that's right? So when it gets heated, 
You get aggravated and upset. Tell me what you're going to do. Hush. Back off. Let me go over here. What are y'all going to do? Hush. Back off. And everybody over here, what are you going to do? Hush. And back off. Because we're not supposed to be quarrelsome. We don't get embroiled in strife. When it gets to that point, it's time to back off. Because God's not going to make them. And you can't. He won't. You can't. (laughs) A lot of folks have tried. (laughs) They must be gentle. Patient teachers of those who are wrong. Keep going. Be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. That's not this. I'm going to tell you how this is. You need to sit down and listen. You're just, you're off the wall. (laughs) No. What do you need to do at this point? Hush and back off. (laughs) Maybe that should have been the title this morning. If you talk meekly and courteously to them, they're more likely with God's help to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. You know, the proverb says the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Talking to people with kindness and gentleness and respect, they're going to receive so much more from you than coming down as a know-it-all and hard and judgmental. He said they're more likely with God's help to turn away from their wrong ideas because you approached them in a kind way. Verse 26. Then they will come to their senses. One translation said they'll wake up. Other folks in darkness. And confused. And in bondage. And they need to wake up. And get out of it. And escape from Satan's trap of slavery to sin. Which he uses to catch them whenever he likes. And then they can begin doing the will of God. Hallelujah. That's the plan of God isn't it? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would be saved. Come to salvation and freedom and light. Now, what we see is that the Lord always makes a way. You know, we sing about that. We've talked about that. But what does that mean? A way for what? A way out, I'm going to talk about today, and a way back. Sit out loud, a way out. And a way back. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, please. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, There has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Don't ever say, nobody knows what I'm going through. That's a lie. Millions of people all over the planet are going through the same thing. Not my words, his words. No temptation has taken you but such as is common to man. But... God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Now a lot of people have taken that and twisted something out of it that it didn't even say. You hear people all over the church church world quoting, God won't put more on you than you can stand. That's not what that verse said. I said that's not what that verse said. First of all, God's not our problem. And he's not putting problems on us. 
He's not the source of our difficulties and problems. No, he won't suffer. Suffer means allow. He won't allow what? You to be tempted above what you're able, able to what? Able to resist. But what will he do? With whatever temptation that comes that you're dealing with, he will make a way to escape. Other translations say a way out. A way out of what? A way out of the temptation. That you may be able to bear it. To bear what? To bear up under the temptation. Well, if you bore up under the temptation, that meant you didn't give in to it. You didn't yield to it. So you weren't overcome with that sin. There was a way out. You were tempted. You were pushed. You were pressed. It pulled on you. You were tempted. But you didn't give in. You didn't give in. You didn't yield. You didn't fall. Because the Lord gave you a way out of the temptation. Out of the problem. Out of the sin. Glory to God. The living Bible says. Remember this, verse 13, wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. The devil will try to tell you that. Look at you, supposed to be a Christian, thinking about doing that, looking at that. Are you even saved? If you were saved, if you were right with God, you wouldn't have thoughts like that. You wouldn't have feelings like that. That is a lie. Even the most holy saint of God has found thoughts and feelings come to them that were ungodly and wrong. Jesus himself was tempted in all points, just like us, yet without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is when you yield to it, when you give in to it, When you act on it. But I want you to notice he keeps reading. He said many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. And no temptation is irresistible. Somebody say that out loud. No temptation is irresistible. See the devil has convinced a lot of people. That they are powerless when it comes to certain things. People say oh well I you know I can't resist. You know, getting drunk. I can't resist getting high. I can't resist a, a pretty woman. I, I can't, I just, I, I can't resist. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. You can, if you will. There's no such thing as an irresistible temptation. Why? Because God won't allow it. That's what this passage is saying. He won't allow you to be tempted above something that you could resist. You know, I, I, Phyllis mentioned uh, Friday night that in our early days, I was looking at being a fighter. And the Lord gives me those kind of illustrations sometimes because I, I relate to them, I understand. The way I see this is uh, if it's in the ring with me, I can beat it. <laughs> if it was too big for me to beat, the Lord wouldn't have let it get in the ring. The very fact that it's here, that I'm having to deal with it, what do I know according to the Word of God? I can resist it. I do not have to yield to it. Say it out loud. There is no such thing thing 
in my life. And there never will be. An irresistible temptation. Never has been. Never will be. God won't allow it. He always makes a way out. (laughs) A way out. A way not to give in to it. A way not to be overcome by it. Are you glad to hear this? We need to believe this. So the devil has a lot of people convinced that this is just too big for you. I mean, when this comes to you, it just bowls you over and you are just helpless before it. That is a lie. Are you a child of God? Then greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The devil can't make you do anything. He can't. He can't. So the issue is what we choose to yield to. But I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I say, well, what, what if I yielded to the temptation? Okay, I didn't have to. It wasn't irresistible, but I did. Well, then God also, not only does he have a way out, he has a way back. I said he has a way back. Oh, you're not happy enough about that. <laughs> Sit out loud. He always, always. makes a way out. Makes a way out. And... See, if you didn't take the way out, what are you going to need? You're going to need a way back. If you take the way out, you won't need the way back. Because you never got away. But if you did, if you didn't take the way out, thank God he always provides a way back. Mm, Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Glory to God. Go with me, please, to the book of Ephesians. The Lord's helping us this morning. Can you tell it? Oh, I'm so thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us. You're such a good God to us. In Ephesians 2, do you have your mind open and your heart open? We, sometimes we need to be corrected about things that we've thought. And it's not a matter of you accepting my thinking instead of yours. It's a matter of you and I accepting what he said instead of anything else. In Ephesians 2 and 4, Ephesians 2 and 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, keep going, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Keep going. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Keep going. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace, this is the third time he's mentioned grace right here. By grace are you saved through faith? That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, uh, I want to mention something to you. There's a couple of phrases that you'll hear quoted. This phrase, there's therefore now no condemnation. And... We're not under the law. 
but under grace. These phrases, while true, are half of the verse. Neither one of these are the whole verse. They're half of a verse. And they're true, but if you leave off the other part, you can make it say something that it's not saying. Now notice this in Ephesians 2.8. By grace you're saved. And a lot of folks emphasize that. But they don't emphasize the next part. Through faith. It's by grace. But it's through faith. We got into this some last week. And I need to. Or the week before. Whatever it was. And if you didn't hear it. They're available, you know, back in the word supply or online. It would help you to get the previous parts because one is built on another. And uh, we talked about this about grace and faith. And I want you to notice this said out loud by grace, by grace we're, saved we're saved through faith. Through faith. Let me ask you a question by whose grace? grace. Whose grace? By God's grace, we're saved how? Faith. Through faith. By whose faith? Our faith. Our faith. Whose grace? God's grace. Whose faith? Our faith. Grace is not your part. Grace is God's part. Tell me how we're saved. By grace, whose grace? Through faith. Whose faith? Faith is not God's part. It's our part. Reckon which part we need to work on. The grace part? That's God's part. Or the faith part? Well, let me, let me say it like this. Should we work on God's part or our part? What's our part? Faith. Faith. We're not justified by grace only. Grace alone. Now some folks may go, oh, I know that's wrong. No, no, listen. Any more than you're saved by grace, you're not justified. You're not saved by grace, period. That's the end of it. That's not the whole verse. We're saved by grace, what? Through faith. And if you read the scriptures in Romans and, and, and other places, uh, you'll see we again and again, he says we are justified by faith. Justified by faith. This phrase, the just shall live by grace. Why didn't it say grace? Y'all are sharp. Y'all are quick. It didn't say the just shall live by grace. Now, we wouldn't even know to believe or what to believe or how to believe. There wouldn't be anything to believe except for his grace. But grace alone is not the end. If we're saved by grace alone, having nothing to do with us, then everybody on the planet is and will be saved without anything to do with them because the grace of God is extended to them too. And Jesus took all our sins. And paid the price for all of them. 
And if grace is the only factor, then everybody is and will be saved, including the blasphemers, including those that are worshiping other gods. Come on, are you listening to me? That's not true. I said, that's not true. Because we're not just saved by grace. Come on, help me out. We're saved by grace through faith. Through faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. My part. Which part you think we ought to work on? The faith part. Our part. That's one of the reasons we got faith on the on the building and on the wall around here. Because the just shall live. This is what is the uh, the victory that overcomes the world? Even our anything that you receive from the new birth to getting your bills paid on a Tuesday, every bit of it works. It's provided by His grace, but it must be received with our faith. I walk by faith. I live by faith. I receive by faith. We overcome by faith. Right? Hallelujah. Selah. Say it one more time. Grace, Grace. is God's part. Is God's Faith, Faith is my part. my part. Well, if you're justified by your faith in what he's given by his grace, then if something affects your faith, could it affect your justification? Or let me say it like this. Could it affect your fellowship with him? I think this is the confusion that some folks have had. Let's go to the book of Galatians, please. We're going to talk some more about half verses. Well, actually, go to Romans. And we'll we'll get to Galatians from there, I think. Go to Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. What does it say? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Is that all the verse? No. No? Some folks will say, well, in some manuscripts, the last part's not there. Mm. Some manuscripts, they say uh, the last part of Mark 16 is not there either. And other places, you've got to watch about taking scriptures out. Where do you stop? But even if you want to say that, go to verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The exact same phrase. <laughs> you know, God's smart. He knows what's coming down the road, doesn't he? He looks ahead. and Really, he didn't have to put that again in verse 4. It's there. Back up to verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, period. No, comma. That's not all the verse. To them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Believing in the grace of God alone is not enough to live condemnation free. Because if you walk in the flesh... If you yield to your flesh, your heart's going to condemn you. And I don't care how many times a day you quote, there's therefore now no condemnation, 
<laughs> your heart's still going to condemn you if you're doing what you know you shouldn't be doing. Not doing what you know you should be doing. It takes two things to live condemnation free in the new covenant. Number one, faith in the blood. Number one, you got to believe in what Jesus has done. And you got to believe that that blood never loses its power. Right? But secondly, you have to walk in the light that you have. Another way of saying that, you got to do what you know. Another way of saying that, you got to not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, this very language is confusing to a lot of people. You say, walk after the flesh, after the spirit. They may have heard it a thousand times, but don't have a clue what it means. And some people think, well, if some folks get real spiritual, then they, you know, they're walking in the spirit, or they're probably kind of half in a trance most of the time. And no, no, no. Everybody can walk after the Spirit every day. Every believer. It's a choice. I said it's a choice. You can walk after the flesh or you can walk after the Spirit. Keep reading. Let's read down a few verses here. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of the sin and death. That is, I never have to walk after the flesh. I've been made free. There's no such thing as an irresistible temptation to me in Christ. Keep going. What the law couldn't do and that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Keep going. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Are we made righteous? Are we justified by his grace through our faith? But that's not the end of it. Who... Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Don't try to do away with that. This is a necessary part of being and living condemnation guilt free. Living without sin consciousness. You can't ignore that part too. Keep going. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. Now really, to get the full understanding of this, you have to go back to chapters 5 and 6 and 7 because he he deals with a lot of things in detail getting up to this place. Go to chapter 6. Let's make sure we're all on the same page with this. Is there always a way out? And if you don't take it, there's always a way back. Glory to God. Romans Chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, actually one translation is no way. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now skip on down, verse 11. Reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust or desires thereof. Well, that means you could. Could you yield to sin? Certainly. Can a believer yield to sin? Can a believer yield to the flesh? 
And a believer can yield to the Spirit. And that's what he's talking about. You'll see he's talking about the difference. Whether you yield to the flesh or whether you yield to the Spirit. And just because you're under grace, that doesn't mean you yield to the flesh all the time. Keep going. Verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. May it not be. No way. What does that mean? You don't yield to the flesh because you're under grace. We don't live by the works of the law. We're not justified by the works of the law. But that doesn't mean that's replaced with nothing. What is living by the works of the law replaced with? Yielding to the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Another way of saying it is being led by the Spirit. That's what he works up to in the middle of chapter 8. After being born again, becoming a child of God, you know, being made righteous, having our sins washed away, after that, I believe the greatest thing the Lord has ever done for us is to give us His Holy Spirit. Glory to God. It is the way of life for the new creation. It's the way we live. And the answer to 10,000 questions every day and night of your life is be led. led. By what? Not by the law, not by people, not by public opinion, not by pressure, not by fear, not by need, not by your flesh, not by sin. Come on, tell me what you're led by. Led by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you 24-7. I want you to think about what the Lord gave us his spirit to do for us. He said he will teach you all things. He will guide you into all the truth. He will take of mine and show it to you. He will bring all things to your remembrance that I've said to you. He will show you things to come. That's how we live instead of... Living by the law. That's what has replaced. Living under the law. And by the law. But some have said. I'm under grace. So I do nothing. (laughs) And in fact. Yield to the flesh. And say it's no big deal. Because I'm under grace. That's not right. I said that's not right. Being under grace. As opposed to being under the law. Means instead of being led by the law. I'm led by the spirit. But it's a choice every day of our lives. Which one we yield to. The flesh. Or the spirit. Every day. Every night. It's a choice. Will you be tempted to yield to the flesh. And do things that are wrong. And every time you are, is there a way out of that? A way to avoid that, not do that. And if for some reason you didn't take the way out and you yielded to it and messed up, is that the end? Is it hopeless? No, there is a way back. 
Tell me what that way is. Repentance. It's the way back. And the way not to perish. Somebody say thank you Lord. In the seventh chapter. He talks about this. How many know seven comes after six? And before eight. All this flows together doesn't it? Uh, I'll read it to you. He said, verse 14, he said, we know the law is spiritual. I'm carnal, sold under sin. But that which I do, I allow not for what I would that I do not what I hate that I do. If I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it's good because that's all they had before this. Now it's no more I that sin that dwells in me. I know in the, in me that is in my flesh. You must say flesh. Dwells no good thing, but to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Jesus said the spirit is willing. Forward already, but the flesh is weak. Now some have tried to say that this passage was talking about unbelievers. People before they got born again. But every one of us know he's talking about us. If you'll be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though you're born again, your flesh didn't get born again. You got the same flesh every unbeliever on the planet's got. And your flesh will do anything you let it do. And the more you yield to it, the worse it'll get. And yet because you're born again, your heart bothers you because of it. You yield to something that's wrong, your heart will bother you. Your heart will condemn you. And you'll feel guilty and ashamed and bad. And he talks about that. He keeps going. He said, uh, verse uh, 19, the good which I would, I I don't do. The evil which I I would not, that's what I do. And if I do what I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, in my flesh. Warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Is there a way out? (laughs) There's not only a way out. There's a way out and a way back. Who will get me out of this? I thank God, Jesus. Jesus gets you out. Jesus gets you back. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, there's not a chapter in the original letter. There's not a break. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Even though you got this going on in your flesh and you got this struggle and you got this pull, you don't have to have any condemnation because you're tempted, because you're pulled, or even because of past things that you messed up if you've repented. And are in Christ Jesus. And if you'll walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit. You'll stay free from sin consciousness. Can you say amen? amen? Do you see the struggle? Flesh and spirit. And the choice is ours as to what we yield to. Now go to Galatians please. The fifth chapter. These are parallel passages. Romans and Galatians. It'll sound very familiar to you when we read it. Galatians 5, verse 13. Brethren, 
we have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. And instead of doing that, we're going to hush and back off. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill, other translations say, you won't complete the lust or desire of the flesh. How do you keep from fulfilling wrong desires of the flesh? You walk in the spirit or you yield to the spirit instead of yielding to the flesh. It's a choice. Are there temptations that can come that I have no choice? It's too big. It's too much. No, God won't allow that. If it's in the ring with you, you can whoop it. Whoop is worse than whipped. You can put her down. Is that right? You can overcome. There is a way out of this. I mean, there may be times when the enemy brings that suggestion, that thought, that imagination, that temptation, that alluring thing. He may bring it to you a thousand times in a day. And it doesn't mean you're not a child of God. It doesn't mean that you're evil. He's tempting you. You haven't missed it yet. I don't care if the thought came to you a thousand times. You haven't missed it yet. You got a choice here. What are you going to do? Are you going to entertain it? Are you going to think about it? Are you going to play with it? Because you do that, what's going to happen? You're going to yield to it. Then you're going to need to weigh back. Right? How many believe it's a whole lot better to take the way out? Walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Keep reading. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Does that sound like Romans 7? Just like Romans 7. He's writing to the saints at the church of Galatia. This is for believers. Amen. And anybody that's honest will admit you've had issues with your flesh. And that doesn't take some great revelation. <laughs> and you've got a controversy going. You've got a conflict going. You've got one thing in your spirit. You've got something else in your flesh. Every day of your life. You, me, all of us. Verse 18. But. Now here's that other verse I was talking about. Remember we talked about half verses? There's therefore now no condemnation. That's half the verse. What's the rest of the verse? To those that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I'm not under the law. We're not under the law. It's half of a verse. It's half of a verse. We're not under the law if. If you're led by the spirit. Let me say something challenging to you. If you're not going to be led by the Spirit, 
You'd be better off being led by the law than just yielding to your flesh. Thou shalt not lie, steal, kill, commit adultery. That's all still good and right. You don't replace being led by the law with nothing. You don't replace it with yielding to your flesh and just hollering it's okay because I'm under great. No, you're not under the law if you be led by the Spirit. We've replaced. The law is good. Didn't he say the law was good? I mean, thou shalt not lie, steal, kill. That's good. That's good. But you couldn't tell those people, just be led. They couldn't. They weren't born again. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, guiding them to all truth and showing them things. They didn't have that. They had the law. And they didn't keep it. So they brought the sacrifices that were pointing to the one that would come to pay the price. And all they did with animal blood was cover it. Cover the sins and the ugliness till the next year. Oh, but hallelujah. The spotless lamb of God didn't cover our sins. He washed them away. They're not covered. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. But we're not saved to just yield to our flesh and sin. We're not saved to sin. We're saved from sin. How are we not under the law? If we're led of the Spirit. Say it out loud. If you're led of the Spirit. You're not under the law. There's no condemnation. To those that walk in the Spirit. See that's the whole verse idea. Not just half a verse. Not just half the idea. Keep reading. The works of the flesh are manifest or obvious. Which are these. Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Envyings. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelings. And such like. Can a Christian do these things? <laughs> this is not a hard question. All you got to do is think. Look around. Can a Christian envy? Can a Christian get drunk? Can a Christian yield to hatred and strife? Can a Christian commit adultery? Certainly. Does any Christian ever have to do these things? Never. I don't care who you were or what situation you found yourself in. There was a way out. Wasn't. There's no such thing as an irresistible temptation. There was a way out. But you got flesh. I got flesh. And what I think folks have not understood is people say, well, you know, yeah, but that just because you missed it, that doesn't mean that. The grace of God and what Jesus did was changed. No, it doesn't. But it does affect you. We need to differ between relationship and fellowship. God is a person. He's real. And if I messed up or you messed up, that doesn't mean you're no longer his child or that he doesn't love you anymore. You're still his child. And he still loves you. 
but it can and it does affect your fellowship with him. It does. But thank God there's a way back. (laughs) There's nothing worse than severed fellowship. It's misery. I said it's misery. When you know things are not right. Just like between you and people that you love here on the earth. There's a lot of similarities between you and God. It's a relationship. And if you ignore him. If you rebel against him. If you do what you know you shouldn't do. If you refuse to do what you know that you should. That doesn't mean that he cuts you off. You're not his child anymore. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you anymore. It doesn't mean the blood of Jesus has lost its power. None of that. But it does affect your fellowship. And you know it. There's something between you and him. Not because the price hasn't been paid. But because you chose to yield to the flesh instead of the spirit. But thank God there's a way back. I said there's a way back. That's what 1 John 1 is talking about. That if we'll confess. That we missed it. And that is talking to believers. Yes it is. If we'll confess our sins. He's faithful and just. To forgive us. And do what? Cleanse us. And what does that mean? There's nothing between us. Nothing between us. Why? Well it wasn't that the price needed to be paid again for the sin. It was that we had a heart problem. We had to get our heart right. And if our heart stops condemning us, then we have confidence toward God. Isn't it what the scripture said? Keep reading. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. These things are evidenced when you're yielding not to the flesh, but when you're yielding to the Spirit. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us do what? Also walk in the Spirit, which is also the key to living condemnation free. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And again, this was not written in chapter and verse. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Doesn't this sound like our text? In meekness, instructing those, if God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Here's the issue. It's not that Jesus needs to pay the price for our sin anymore. But the issue is us being honest with him. You'll find throughout the scriptures that he said, acknowledge your sin. On more than one occasion, he told his people, I'm going to wait until you acknowledge this. Why? Well, it's just like you and somebody else. If somebody is doing something against you that's wrong, but they won't acknowledge that they're doing it, How can you get it fixed? You might be ready to forgive them. You might be ready to go on. But if they're not going to acknowledge. Let's take me. And this passage. He talked about works of the flesh. And works of the spirit. I've got flesh. Can I be tempted? Is it my choice whether I yield to the temptation. Or whether I don't. 
Let's take the one everybody's so mindful of, adultery. Wasn't that one of the first ones on the list here? Is it possible for me to commit adultery? (laughs) I'm not even going to look at Phyllis right now. (laughs) Is it possible for me to commit adultery? (laughs) I'm going to look this way. I've got flesh. Now, I haven't, and I'm not planning on it, okay? This is what if. If I did, how do I deal with it? What am I supposed to do? Now, a lot of people in this audience and watching by internet have. Either in the past or presently. It's just a fact. Can a Christian yield to something that's not right? Yes, Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So, if you did, if I did. What do I do? What do I do? I can say, I'm a bad man. You know, I betrayed my wife's trust and and, uh, the people's trust. And, uh, you know, I don't deserve to have her. I don't deserve to be in the ministry anymore. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm unfit. I can nurse the condemnation. I can say there's no help for me. There's no hope for me. I just, you know, I'm I'm an adulterer. Should I do that? No. And just say my life is over. No. God doesn't love me anymore. No. He can't use me anymore. No. You don't think I should do that? No. Or I can say, well, now you know, God knows the end from the beginning. And so he knew I was going to do this. And Jesus already paid the price for my doing this before I ever did it. So it's really not a big deal. Phyllis says it's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm under grace. I'm just a man. Let me tell you a problem with it's not a big deal. That means... It's likely to happen again. Are y'all with me? Why? Because, well, you know, it's just flesh. And God knows, you know, He knows my heart, and I, I don't really mean it. I'm just weak. I'm just a man. <laughs> well, what am I talking about? There are two grave errors. Can you see these? This acting like sin is everything and there's no hope and no help. Or this acting like none of it matters because I'm under grace. Both of those are wrong. I said both of those are wrong. No. Some people try to leave the idea, well, yeah, God knew that you were going to do that. And that's already been, that was already put on Jesus before you were ever born. And so he doesn't even see that. And so basically he doesn't see it. He's not even aware of it. So Phyllis is mad, but God don't even know what happened. (laughs) No, that's not right. Neither one of those is right. What is right? The truth is, 
Go to 1 John 1, 9 in closing. The truth is, I, you, did not have to yield to that. We did not have to. Now, an unbeliever that's not even trying to live right, that's another story. We're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about believers. But believers never are in a situation that they can't resist. According to the New Testament. According to the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And so I did not have to succumb to the temptation. I didn't have to give in. I didn't have to do that. But there was a way out. But if I didn't take the way out, if I yielded to my flesh, now my heart's condemning me. Is there a way back? I said, is there a way back? Is there a way all the way back? Hallelujah. There is. 1 John 1. Verse 3. 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have what? Fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship is communion. Communion. How many know there's a difference between relationship and fellowship? Phyllis and I are related, husband and wife, by law. But fellowship is another thing. How we're getting along, you know, and we might not be getting along at all, that wouldn't mean we're no longer husband and wife. You can still be husband and wife and not have good fellowship. You can still be a child of God and not have good fellowship with Him. So what's he talking about here? Having fellowship. Fellowship with the Father. Somebody say fellowship with the Father. Is there anything any more important than that you be right with Him? There's nothing more important than that. Nothing that you're going to do today or tomorrow or the rest of your life is more important than this. So if something's not right with him, what should be priority number one? Getting it right between me and him. Keep reading. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Well, that makes perfect sense. When everything's right between me and him, when everything's right between me and Phyllis, happy home, happy house. When things are not right, it's cold. Things are right between you and God. Happy house. Happy day. When they're not right. You're cold and far off and hard. Is that his fault? No, he didn't leave us. He didn't betray us. He didn't ignore us. It'd be the other way around. If we say we have fellowship with him. So what's he talking about here in 1 John? One. Some have tried to say that this passage is not for believers. Well, are sinners having fellowship with the Father? No. No, this is about Christians. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, which would be walking in the flesh, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, would this be in the line of walking in the Spirit? Yes. Yes. As He's in the light, then we have fellowship. One with another. That's talking about us and the Father. 
us in Jesus. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank God, if you're walking in the light that you have, doing what you know to do, even if you're making some mistakes ignorantly, the blood cleanses you of that. How else could God have unhindered fellowship with you? You don't even realize it yet. Say it out loud, the blood cleanses cleanses. and keeps on cleansing. How many know that blood is on the mercy seat right now and it never stops speaking and cleansing? But verse 8, if we say we have no sin, now don't separate this from the rest of the passage. That's if you're yielding to the flesh, if you're walking in darkness. That's what he was talking about. If you're walking in darkness, but you say, I'm not missing it, I'm fine, then you're deceiving yourself. And the truth's not in you. Verse 9, if you did walk in darkness, if you did yield to the flesh, is there a way back? Is there a way back? Here it is. Here's the way back. Number one, you got to what? You got to confess or acknowledge. Isn't that what our text said? You got to admit it. The Bible said if you cover, if you try to hide your sins, you will not prosper. But if you'll confess them and forsake them, you'll get mercy. I said you'll get mercy. You can't go around pretending I'm okay. I'm under grace. I'm under grace. When you're yielding to the flesh, yielding to the flesh, you are going to be in condemnation and your fellowship's not going to be right. What do you got to do? I mean, the moment, if you didn't take the way out, immediately, don't run from him. Don't He knows it already. You're not going to surprise him. You're not going to show up and say, God, I did this. He's going to go, what? You did what? He was there. He saw it. He already knows. Let me give you a little, little, little blip. A lot of people around you already know too. <laughs> you just thought you were snowing them. What's the solution? Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, don't hide it. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Don't hide it. Why? Because if you do, your fellowship is going to remain broken. And your heart is going to keep on condemning you. And you're not going to get free from condemnation like that. And it'll get worse and worse and worse. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You come to him and you say, Lord... You know it already, but I did it. I didn't have to, but I did. I yielded to my flesh. I did. God resists the proud, and it's pride that causes people to hide. Rhymes, don't it? Pride causes people to hide. But who gets the grace? The humble. And it takes humility, doesn't it take humility, to come and humble yourself and say, I did it. No excuses. I did it. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Lord, I I ask you to forgive me. I want things to be right between us. What will happen? Come on, tell me what will happen. This is the way back. Even if you didn't take the way out, this is the way back. He is faithful. Oh, stand up, everybody. Stand up, everybody. Say it out loud. He is faithful. And just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
What does that mean? What does that mean? That means now your fellowship can be right again. I said it can be right again. And with full fellowship comes fullness of joy. Hallelujah. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Close your eyes. Lord, we worship you. We give you glory. We praise your holy name. If you need to come to him this morning, come to him. If you need to come back to him, come back to him this morning. If you didn't take the way out, take the way back right now. Say it out loud everybody. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he died on the cross. He paid all for all my sins. And you raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, I confess you, Lord of my life. And I receive all you've done for me. Hallelujah. Now just silently before him, if you violated light, if you yielded to the flesh, make you don't have to say it out loud, but between you and him right now, make it right. Acknowledge to him that you did. Acknowledge that if you lied, if you stole, if you had an illicit affair, whatever the case, admit it to him. Admit it to him. You want things to be right between you and him. Tell him that you're sorry. Tell him you know you didn't have to. You just yielded to your flesh and and you know it's not right and you didn't want to grieve him and you didn't want to hurt people, but you did. And believe his word that he said if you'll do that, if you'll confess it and acknowledge it, the Bible said repentance would enable you to recover yourself out of the trap of the devil. And he forgives and cleanses from all unrighteousness. Said out loud, I, I believe I receive complete forgiveness. I believe I receive total cleansing from all unrighteousness, all sin stain, all guilt, all shame. I receive. Righteousness restored. I receive fellowship restored. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.